Bringing a cell or gene therapy to market is an art. Hear Veristat thought leaders as they draw on their specialized expertise to offer insight on timely, relevant clinical development topics. Welcome to Art Podcast, Advancing Revolutionary Therapies, a podcast presented by the Center of Excellence for Cell and Gene Therapies by Veristat. My name is Chris Kenwood, Principal Statistician with Veristat, working with our clients in cell and gene therapies. Today, I will discuss an introduction to natural history studies with recent experience working on such a study. You may be wondering, why natural history studies? And how are these relevant to cell and gene therapy development? As you know, cell and gene therapies are often evaluated in rare or ultra-rare disease research, where there is a limited sample size available and few, if any, treatment options. In these diseases, there is sometimes limited information or knowledge about the rate of disease progression. There may be few medical experts and a lack of consensus regarding standard of care, even when trying to define the endpoints of assessment of efficacy and safety in clinical trials, we may not know what measures could be clinically relevant or how to compare scores over time to ensure we have adequate precision on observations and estimates. For these reasons, it is often difficult to perform randomized comparative trials on the target population before we can evaluate a novel treatment, particularly one with potentially permanent impact on the patient's health. We must first understand the patient population the disease progression, and expected changes in the disease over time. Natural history studies provide evidence for identifying patient subgroups that may benefit from therapy. It can be used to identify or develop biomarkers and to identify or develop clinical outcome assessments, as well as serving as a control group or comparator data for an intervention trial within the same indication. When I refer to a natural history study during this presentation, I'm describing a study where there's no specified intervention or experimental therapy, but where data are collected into a data capture system to better characterize the disease status and progression of patients identified as having one or more targeted diseases. Natural history studies are often performed in pediatric populations where the age of the patient may be influential in determining the rate of disease progression. A natural history study may be defined by its temporal perspective as retrospective, prospective, or have elements of both. Regardless, it is important for any natural history study to be governed through a specific protocol and a statistical analysis plan. A retrospective natural history study is where data are collected from existing medical records on evaluations and procedures that have already occurred. This type of study can be completed more quickly than a prospective study because the data are already available. However, they can be challenging due to incomplete data, variability, or inconsistency in the standard of care patients receive, and or the data collected itself. For example, data in medical records may not be documented through specific questionnaires, making the summary of the patient experience challenging, given the inconsistency in reporting and limiting the interpretability when planning a later interventional trial. There's also a risk of length-biased sampling and other selection biases due to differences in how patients may have been assessed based on varying historical approaches, changes in definition within the disease space, or consistency of data collection intervals, 
and quality of information. A prospective natural history study is where contemporaneous data are collected on patients who are enrolled into the study. Evaluations are conducted according to pre-specified data collection plan that should reflect the current data standards to the extent possible. Such studies provide additional consistency to the collected data, but may require more time than retrospective studies, particularly because they are designed to observe changes over time longitudinally. Natural history studies may combine retrospective and prospective components from two separate patient cohorts for information collection. However, retrospective data collected can also function as a baseline for the prospective study. The implementation of such a flexible approach can increase the available information and allow for the collection of data across patients who have aged out of the targeted age range of pediatric studies or who are deceased as well as among living patients. Natural history studies can follow sampling methods defined as cross-sectional or longitudinal. Cross-sectional studies collect data from a cohort of patients during specified limited time period where inferences regarding disease progression must be made by cross-patient comparisons. These can be retrospective or prospective and can be used to indicate the general course of the disease through various stages or age categories. However, the data may not fully characterize the disease course and may not fully identify disease subtypes. This can occur because different subtypes of disease can exist that may progress at varying rates or become symptomatic at different times during a patient's life. It may be that information to distinguish between these subtypes is not available unless a patient is followed for a longer duration. Longitudinal studies collect data from each subject at different time points. These can also be retrospective or prospective and can provide a more comprehensive scope of information on disease onset and or progression over time. Generally, longitudinal studies take more time to conduct than cross-sectional studies and can be more resource intensive in staffing, costs, and patient or caregiver involvement. A hybrid approach is also possible for sampling methods where different cohorts are followed for different periods of time. When planning the temporal perspective and sampling method, it is important to ensure that the key objectives are predetermined and the requirements do not place undue burden on the patients. Recently, I participated in the planning and initiation of a natural history study designed to collect information for an upcoming gene therapy intervention trial in a very rare pediatric disease. Our natural history study had a hybrid approach, including elements of cross-sectional and longitudinal sampling. We also included two temporal cohorts. The first was retrospective and included both living patients as well as those who had previously died. And the second cohort was prospective, including current living patients who are eligible based on inclusion and exclusion criteria. Some patients were identified for inclusion in both cohorts. Their medical records were sourced for retrospective data and they were enrolled for participation in the prospective portion of the study. The hybrid approach for both temporality and sampling allowed us to gather as much information as possible on the rare population. As we designed the natural history study in preparation for a future interventional trial, it was not clear how to appropriately measure disease progression over time. For some rare genetic diseases, the patients can't be appropriately compared to normal developmental tracks or more typical functional assessments because the patient performance will fall too far below the normal performance.
or there is a lack of precision to determine changes over time. The natural history study provides a critical opportunity to evaluate relevant measurement tools and determine an appropriate set of criteria for the interventional trial. We work closely with expert clinicians, patient advocacy groups, as well as a sponsor in the planning of the protocol to determine what key criteria might be used to evaluate disease progression over time. As mentioned, no global systematic study had been previously performed to assess disease characteristics over time or determine endpoints that are consistently measurable that appropriately capture changes in disease progression among the identified patients. It was important in the planning and design of the study to assess how we can collect information and measure multiple domains of illness, including potential delays and deterioration of functional assessments, quality of life, and any relevant biomarkers. The study protocol was carefully drafted as functional assessments were identified for use in the study. While the retrospective data extracted from medical records provide information on the progress of disease and whether patients met generic developmental milestones. The measurement of targeted functional assessments would not be available from those sources. Information on such measures would be collected more standardly across patients and locations prospectively within the study, particularly to allow the measurement of changes over time. Collaboration between patient advocacy groups, expert clinicians, Veristat, and the sponsor was critical to the authorship of the study protocol and the definition of the study endpoints for analysis. Through this process, we defined a composite endpoint from data collected within the natural history study so that we could capture the complex functional disease progression. And one of the many goals of the study is to validate this composite endpoint. We also selected biomarkers to determine their prognostic effect on disease progression. After an extensive protocol development effort, the natural history study opened for enrollment in the second half of 2019, and like many studies during that time, was impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. In the execution of this trial, we had to adapt very quickly to determine how best to perform study-specific assessments at home or in satellite locations, rather than require the patient and their family to travel. The sponsor, clinicians, and study staff came to an agreement on appropriate functional assessments and scales that could be performed in a remote fashion using HIPAA-compliant video-based technology in lieu of in-person interactions. The study was able to continue collecting the planned endpoints for analysis. Similar to the study protocol, a collaborative effort was required for development and finalization of the statistical analysis plan. The analysis plan was designed to be fairly flexible in order to accommodate important observations as the study progresses, as well as to allow for unforeseen challenges with the amount of data that is able to be collected. Many graphical displays and figures plotting various outcome variables over time were planned to understand distributions and tra trajectories in the data. In the analysis plan, to the extent that we could, we prospectively detailed the statistical analyses that will be implemented to measure and assess changes in disease progression, as well as functional assessments over time. However, unlike a more typical prospective clinical trial, there is much that is unknown about the course of disease, and the conclusions will be based more on the estimates and their respective variability than any single statistical hypothesis or test. In addition, the concepts of multiplicity or penalties for multiple interim analyses are not applicable in this study design.
We have recently initiated the intervention trial in this rare genetic disease and are excited to determine the effectiveness of the novel treatment method in comparison to the information collected from the natural history study. From the natural history study, we have learned about the progression of disease over time, we have targeted potentially prognostic biomarkers, and we have established an understanding of the patient, caregiver, and clinician experience that will inform continued research into the future. The key to the success experienced so far has been the open collaboration between the study sponsor, key opinion leaders, expert clinicians in the field, and patient advocacy groups. Each has a vast source of information from different perspectives. In particular, the advice from patient advocacy groups can provide valuable information on appropriate functional assessments and relative endurance of the patients to undergo such assessments routinely. The biggest challenge when planning a natural history study is to understand that you may not know much yet. The purpose of doing the natural history study is to gather more about a previously unmeasured disease. There's little information ahead of starting the study, and therefore there are challenges and obstacles you meet along the way. Approaching the study with an open mind and willingness to be flexible, to listen to patient caregivers and advocacy groups, and collect and evaluate as much information as possible is essential for the successful planning and execution of a natural history study. As more novel therapies are developed, natural history studies will continue to be a critical tool to assess valuable information on affected patients, to better understand disease progression over time, and establish appropriate endpoints for assessment of new therapies for such rare diseases. Before I close, I would like to point the audience members towards the FDA regulatory guidance documents that are available on the FDA website that will provide additional information on natural history study design. These are particularly important references for our industry and will provide you with a lot of useful information. Our podcasts are intended to be brief overviews of complex topics. There are many additional aspects surrounding effective planning for a novel product, and we hope you will join us as we continue to discuss such topics in future podcasts. The Veristat team has extensive experience in cell and gene therapy trials and are actively involved in the field. I hope this has been valuable to you. Please reach out to the links available on the Veristat website for additional information should you have questions. We will be back and hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast player and look for our other Cell and Gene podcasts at cellandgene.expert.